Welcome back to episode 5 of Cocktails. I'm back with Sarah. Hey. Um, and today we are enjoying a screwdriver and we're just going to get right into it. Uh, today's topic is breaking generational curses. It's something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Let me start. Yeah. Okay, so breaking generational curses is you making the conscious decision to stop practicing, absorbing, and passing on toxic behaviors and personality traits. Some of these toxic personality traits can be anger, violence, manipulation, overly critical, and addiction, to name a few. Okay. Um, so I guess the first question is, how do you break a generational curse? In your... In my yeah. personal opinion? Yeah. Um, I feel like it's difficult because the way that we're raised is not only passed on from our parents, but also from their parents before them and so on. So this is something that's... It's honestly really difficult to do. Um... You know, me being a new mom, I always told myself during my childhood, if I ever have a kid, I will, I will never, you know, raise them or have them go through the things that I went through as a child. Um, and we tell ourselves that, but then when it comes to actually doing it, you know, we question, is it actually possible? You know, mm. um, it's so early on for me with my daughter, she's only six months, so I really can't say right now, but I think... It's just important to make the conscious de decision every day to not do what your parents did. And I'm not saying, like, my parents were, like, horrible people, mm -hmm. but I think we've all gone through something that's a direct reflection of what they went through mm -hmm. as kids with their parents. So for me, you know, again, it's just kind of making that conscious effort of, you know, being aware of, those moments where you know people say you're just like your mom or you're just like your dad you know just trying to you know be more cognizant of of changing behaviors from negatives into positives one thing that really sticks in my head with me growing up was um when it would come time for dinner one core memory that I have is you know if I didn't finish my dinner I had to sit there at the dining room table until the food was done Correct. And there was times where I would fall asleep at the dining room table. Everyone <laughs> would have gotten up, yes. gone about the rest of their night, right. and here's Jules sitting at the table with her plate because she didn't finish her food. Yes, you can't get up till you finish eating. And um, when I I would sit there, sometimes I would cry. They would take the plate, put it in the fridge, and guess what I had for dinner the next night? <laughs> what you did that plate? <laughs> and. It was, it was really traumatizing for me and, you know, to the point where in the future as an adult, I always felt like I was forced to continue to eat even when I wasn't hungry, when I was full. Yep. I had to continue to eat because I just heard my mom in the back of my head like, you're going to finish everything on your plate, wow. but I'm not hungry. You're going to finish it, wow. you know? And so throughout the years, like, eating was always something that I had severe anxiety over because of that, you okay. know? Just never stopping when I was full, but always needing to, like, shovel the last few bits of, of dinner because 
I think about those those past memories. It was dramatic, you know. So that's an example of trying to break the generational curse. That's definitely one for me. I don't know if you have anything like that in your childhood, but that's something. Like if my daughter says like I'm full, that's it. Then that's it. Okay. Did you have the plate thing too? Had the plate thing. Did you really? Definitely. Yeah. And another weird thing with my dad, and I don't know if it's a generational curse, but it just goes along with the eating. Like, you couldn't have any of your, like, juice or, like, sugary drink Mm -hmm. before you ate your food. And you would get, like, water or whatever with your actual food, and then you could have your juice or whatever after. So that was, like, a dessert. I guess so. Okay. I guess so. Okay. But also, like, maybe they know, like, if you drink you know, this entire cup of Kool-Aid, you're not going to finish your plate. But what is it with the finishing of the plate? Like, I don't get that it. That I don't get. But then also being hit with the line of, like, there's children in Africa who are dying. My mom would Which tell me. Which is true. It is true. But my mom would go to extremes and tell me, you know, if you don't finish your food, you're going to get sick. We're going to have to take you to the hospital. They're going to put an IV in your arm. They're going to have to oh, feed that's you extreme. that way. Because <laughs> you're not eating. It that's just, so Yeah. With, um, I remember with my ex, um, the Arab guy, mm-hmm. they, I guess in Muslim culture, like they don't leave anything mm-hmm. on their plate. Like it's called haram, I think. So like bad, it's just bad if you leave food, like you can't throw out food. So I don't remember what he would do. I think he would like save it and like bring it with us. But like every, whenever we went to a restaurant or if there was food I couldn't finish, I could, I would not dare throw it in the trash. Like it was just bad. So you would just take it home as a leftover? Yeah, I guess. Or give okay. it to somebody. Like, he would yeah, gift yeah, yeah. it to somebody. Okay. Um, But it was, yeah, it was never a good thing to throw food out. I mean, like, even just one look was just like, are you heading towards that trash can? Or, nope, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I was going to get a doggy bag <laughs> to wrap this up. So that, um, I think it's a, it's got to be a cultural thing, but it's also like, I mean, it's logical. Why waste food? I understand why waste food, but at the same time, like, nine times out of ten, your mom's the one that's making your plate for you when you're a kid. You're not self-serving yourself. Your mom's, like, throwing on two or three scoops and then gets mad when you're not eating all your food. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, I didn't ask for... Right, 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 right. I didn't ask for three three pounds of pasta on my plate, Agreed. So I think maybe if I was able to serve myself, it would have been different. But no, I mean, growing up as a kid, your mom always made your plate for you. You know, that's a fact. And then got pressed when you didn't finish eating. Right. Because you you gave me three helpings. I had the same stomach size as you. Like I'm literally five years old. Like oh no. (laughs) The accuracy. I think, I think it was different because my mom growing up, she was one out of eight kids growing Mm -hmm. up on the west side you know my grandmother single mother had to raise all of them my mom would tell Mm -hmm. me about the um what did they have the miracle whip sandwiches yeah white bread with just mayonnaise and that's it you know just explaining the the struggles to me Mm -hmm. yeah so I think going through that as a child I can understand not wanting to waste food yeah because there was a time when they didn't have it like that Mm -hmm. and now that that we do you know, it's something that should maybe be respected, which I can understand, but at the same time, I don't think she realized the trauma behind forcing somebody to eat when they're not, yeah, when they're just not hungry, you know? 
So that's definitely one thing that I want to take away from that for sure. And, um, you know, my parents just being not really taking accountability for their actions. Yeah, that's a big one. Playing the, I'm the parent, so I'm always right. I'm never going to admit when I'm wrong to you because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the parent, I'm the adult kind of thing. Um, That's definitely something I would like to break as well. Because we're all human, no matter what age you are. And I think to be able to admit to your mistakes as, as a parent is so huge to your child. You know what I mean? Because that shows that it's okay to make mistakes. You know what I mean? If you're never accountable for things, I feel like <clears throat> it makes it makes you kind of go crazy as a child when your parent is never like, you know what? You're right. I was wrong for doing this. It's always you're the problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That that can definitely be traumatic for sure. Or even sure. just like a child's point of view and mind is different from an adult. So even mm-hmm. though the adult may be right, it's still very important, like you said, for them to know just to admit fault or to accept the fact that like, okay, I, I meant this or I didn't do this or you're right about that, but I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. the adult. I think it's, it's hard to find, at least for them, for, for parents, it's hard to find a balance between um, I'm an adult and I'm, I'm human. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I have flaws. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely, I can see why that's hard to balance, but you're right. It's important. To still admit fault and to honestly just have an open line of communication. It doesn't always have to be you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm I'm right and you're wrong. It can just genuinely be like us having a conversation. Like I remember my mom, and even still now, um, she was never, neither of them, but more so my mom was never like a dictator or authoritarian. It was more like they set the rules. But if there was something I didn't understand or if there's something that I wanted to question, it was rarely sought as disrespect. At least from my mom's point of view, she would understand, like, you just want to understand. You just want to know. You're not questioning my... You're not challenging. Yes, yes. You're not questioning my position or my authority. You just genuinely want to know why things are the way that they are. And I can understand from a kid's perspective to an adult why that would seem disrespectful but it was just me trying to understand the world around me the boundaries that you set why are things a certain way um and some things were non-negotiable but other things were you know like curfew and you know having boyfriends and all that that stuff some some of it was not up for debate but um, maybe having friends over up until a certain time or having a guy friend over but he can't come in my room mm-hmm. so there were ways yeah. to communicate with my parents about not getting what I want but understanding that I have freedom within their rules mm-hmm. and their boundaries that they put in place mm-hmm. I think that's important too and I think what a lot of people maybe don't realize is something as small as you questioning rules as you're, when you're a kid that your parents set can ultimately determine the personality that you're going to have in the future, like being submissive, mm-hmm. for example. If you don't question anything and your parents are like, you can't do this or that, and that's just it, and you follow the rules. I'm not saying that 
necessarily everybody is going to end up submissive that does that but nine times out of ten you know they're more inclined they're more inclined Mm -hmm. you know if you're not questioning authority um you'll go along with anything by by my definition Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i would um, agree i think for me it was the opposite growing up if you question why something could not be done it's because i said so yep it's you know don't talk back to me. Mm. It's disrespectful. Don't question me. You know, this is just how it is. And what that ended up doing to me was making me just become incredibly rebellious. Okay. You know? Because my parents were extremely strict growing up. You know, I couldn't have a boyfriend in high school, so I did it secretly. Mm-hmm. You know, I would tell them I'm going to hang out with my friends. And, you know, I really wasn't because that's just the way that I had to navigate through things to have some semblance of feeling like a normal teenager because I lost a lot of my friends in high school because of the fact that I wasn't allowed to go out and just do things like a normal teenager, Mm -hmm. you know? I was always locked in my room or give me your cell phone or being punished for, Mm -hmm. for doing well in school and having a job, you know? It wasn't like I was on the street doing drugs and just being reckless, you know? (laughs) Like, I just wanted to have experience that normal life. So, in a lot of ways, and I don't think my mom realizes that, it's turned me into an extreme introvert. Okay. In the future, you know? So, for my own daughter, it's being able to set boundaries, but also giving her the freedom to make her own decisions, but also explore what happens you know what I'm saying? Like, I want her to not fall on her face, but be able to experience cause and effect. Yeah. You, you have know? choices. Life right. is about choices. Right. So, you have options. Mm-hmm. You made that option. You made that choice. This is the domino effect that happens if you choose that. Not saying my way to my way is right or wrong. You chose that, so this is what comes after it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a great approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think that's definitely a way that I want to go about doing things because I I don't know how to explain this. I regret the way that I was as a kid because it's affected me how I am as an adult now. Yeah. Super introverted. I always just want to be home. I always like being by myself because that's ultimately what my childhood was. Never Do you really see being sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Just never being able to leave the house always being stuck in the house because my mom being in law enforcement was always just scared about anything understood you know what i mean like both of my parents my mom and my stepdad were Mm -hmm. both in law enforcement police officer court officer worked in corrections in the jails yep you know what i mean like so that was really tough that's a whole different ball game when you have two parents who are in law enforcement and see the things that they do on a daily basis it's really hard to try and be just be a kid yep you know but what were you gonna say um two things so the one thing is do you see being introverted as a negative thing or is it just that's not something you would have chosen for yourself um i wish that i could be more outgoing i wish that i could go to a party where I don't know people and and just have that confidence to walk up to somebody and just shoot the shit with them. Okay. That's not me. 
okay. you know, if I go to a party, I have anxiety, I dread it because I don't know anybody, and I'm typically the person that will just be standing off in the corner, yeah, not really making conversation. Um, and I think looking angry in a relationship, <laughs> I've always been the one that's quiet, and he's more of like the social butterfly. He could talk to anybody. Okay. Which is which is great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm mostly just kind of standing there quiet. You know what I mean? And I do wish it could be it could be different. I do wish I could be more extroverted. Um, but do I think it's necessarily a bad thing? No. Because um, it's helped me to choose my friends very, very wisely. Because mm-hmm. I'm so introverted, I'm very selective about who I allow into my life. Yep. And I think I find that a lot of other females have such a huge group of friends, like mm-hmm. 10, 15 girls. Like, I couldn't even name five off the top of my head. You know Screaming. what I'm saying? Like, it's less <laughs> than that, you okay. know? Um, and I just feel like it's it can be disingenuous when you have that many people in your circle. You know, I like to keep it tight. I like to be with people that I know would never speak bad about me if I wasn't around. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. That's important. Being introverted is not a bad thing, but it is the result <coughs> of my childhood, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I see that. Do you say? Do you feel the same about yourself? Like, were your parents as strict or not really? Like, okay, so I guess my question is, like, how did you become the way that you are now from that your upbringing. childhood? You, from your upbringing, yeah. Like, how do you feel that's affected you now as a, as a woman? Shit. That's a loaded question. But if we're talking about personality traits, I yeah. can start there. Introverted. I, it took me a long time to figure out I'm an, in, I'm an introverted extrovert. So I'm more comfortable in spaces that are quieter, that are more intimate. I, I like my alone time. I don't have very many people in my circle on a day-to-day but when I meet people like on the outside apparently I'm extroverted I'm outgoing I'm bubbly charismatic it's confusing as hell because I don't know when I'm doing it it's just sometimes I I can comfortably fit into that role if the energy is right Mm -hmm. I will usually be more outgoing Mm -hmm. but in new spaces and new environments, I'm quiet, same. I observe, I'm shy. <laughs> um, most people think that I'm shy until they get to know me. And then it's just like, oh, you're not mean at all. You're not quiet. I'm actually very loud. <laughs> Why does everybody think if you're quiet, you're a bitch? I, I think it's our thing? facial expressions too. Probably. But it's like, I'm always thinking. Like, I'm always, yeah. like, we've said this before. Everything is always, it's a million different thoughts all the time Mm -hmm. I can't control all of those facial expressions sometimes I just zone off into whatever's going on in my head or I notice a lot of the time like when I do zone off in large crowds I'm having an anxiety attack okay (laughs) like it took me a long time to figure that out too if I'm spacing out if I'm getting fidgety if I'm trying to cling to the one person that I know like I'm I'm literally having an anxiety attack and I, I don't know how to describe it stop it or or anything like that it's just gotta happen mm-hmm. um 
So I think that I can't say that my upbringing brought a, about that exactly. Um, if I really, if I really dove into it, I could probably find a connection. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just a result of me being in spaces that were both comfortable and not comfortable. I mean, my mom was like, they were definitely strict. Um, they're both ministers, so you got the law enforcement strict. I got the religious strict. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother's a lawyer, so there's that um, version of the law enforcement. There were, you know, couldn't have a boyfriend. I didn't try to have a boyfriend, oddly enough, um, until probably, like, late high school or college. I wasn't really worried about guys, oddly uh-huh. enough. Yeah. Um, and it seemed like they weren't worried about me, so that was an even trade-off. Um, it it definitely the strictness definitely makes you a more sneaky kid, but because my mom has a bullshit o meter, it was very difficult to get things past her. So I, I always found it easier to confide in my mom versus my dad. Okay. The <clears throat> um tough love I'm right you're wrong that was more so from him um a lot of the time we butt heads a lot because we are so stubborn and we are so similar that him just trying to parent was not wrong but him trying to parent me is just different my brother and sister were easygoing compliant kids and my mom understood that me I'm a little more difficult I got some questions. I got parameters. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to feel the situation out. That don't sound right to me. So <laughs> right. we need to assess something. Right. My mother was very receptive to knowing she had to parent me differently than her first two kids. My dad didn't care to. <laughs> He's like, um, the dad. This is the same plan all across yeah, the board with like, everybody. Everybody gets the same treatment. Okay. Line yeah. up for your whooping. <laughs> like, get yeah. right in line. And I think now he understands and has learned there's just a way to say things mm-hmm. to get the result that you want. It doesn't mean that I'm being difficult. It's just I learn differently. Mm-hmm. Some kids learn the hard way. Some kids only have to learn one time. I have to learn the hard way. You just got to tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it took her less time than it took him to understand me. But also... What my dad doesn't understand is, or didn't understand, is that, like I said, it's the way, it's the way you say it. It's not what you say, it's the way you say it. And for me personally, I'm not going to let anybody talk to me any kind of way. And that goes for the man that I have a future with, the man that I'm dating, the teacher, any, anybody who's in authority. And that goes for him too. And for me... As a kid, as his kid, to him, that was nothing but disrespect. But it was also like, you don't want anybody talking to me any old old kind of way out in the world. And I learned that in this house. Mm-hmm. So if I don't set boundaries with the person that was my first love, and is supposed to teach me how a man is supposed to treat me, why would I allow that behavior even from you? So I think it it came a time where he had to realize himself 
what he was teaching me about how to find a husband. I don't think he's all the way there yet, but I think he understands it. Mm -hmm. That's probably the more difficult and most evident generational curse that I am breaking and will break. Yeah, I definitely think, I don't think dads realize how crucial of a role they play in their daughter's life, but also their son's. I mean, that goes both ways. You're raising your son to be the man that he needs to be, not only for himself, but for women out in the world, how to Mm -hmm. properly respect them, but also for his daughter, you know, you're teaching her what to look for. Mm -hmm. in a man you know my my dad was never in my life Mm -hmm. and I think we talked about this a couple episodes prior you know he was never in my life and I find myself gravitating towards men who are emotionally physically and mentally just not available yeah because that's I yearned for that connection with my dad and he was never there and that's just something that I took away from that you know my stepdad is a completely different story he's always been there for me very supportive and all that but even so I was still referencing my father you know what I mean so you know I don't I don't really think dads or even moms realize you know the ways that they raise their children how that affects what they look for in a partner in the future mm-hmm. you know and it may seem it like that's late. a lot of pressure Yes. On them. Yes. To constantly be perfect. And nobody's perfect, but at the same time, what I'm saying is, I don't think that we should carry over the ways that their parents raise them onto us because it's not the same. Yep. It's a difference in the world at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, the world was different back in the 60s. <laughs> you yep. know what I'm saying? Like, it's times just. Times have changed. Times have changed and just. With that, I think the way that kids are raised need to be changed as well. It can't be the same thing for everybody. Right. With with some things. And it's like traditions are cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Passing things down are cool. But it's just it's, it's certain things that when it starts to get toxic or when it starts to become an issue I think that's when it's something that you have to tweak a little or be open to to change and it's it's understandable because change is scary change is different and it also forces you to look at parts of yourself that you either forgot about or thought you'd never have to deal with Mm -hmm. I know personally when I learned about my dad's upbringing and how difficult it was it really did teach me more about him than he could ever say there were 10 of them um both by the same mom and dad but it was chaotic it was very chaotic um I believe both parents were alcoholics um but I think maybe my grandma had gotten saved and and stopped after a certain point but dealing with Alcoholics as parents is is not easy as I I can't imagine, but it's not an easy concept. And then for him to be the oldest and have to be the the father and mother technically of nine other kids at such a young age 
And it was just a different time back then. So he was expected to assume that role. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like wherever he had to stop being a kid is where emotionally his, his, he stopped. He stopped growing when he became an adult. And I think that's, a, that's the case for a lot of, of parents or a lot of generational curses that we see if we can see that pattern of when they had to grow up or when they had to make a decision um, or when something traumatic happened to them, they like stop in that, in that age. And it's their job as an adult, quite frankly, to heal that or to seek out why you are that way. But it's hard, so mm-hmm. it's understandable why some don't or why some don't know how to. But it's also like, it's accountability. <laughs> it's accountability. When you bring kids into this world, is that something that you want them to carry? Is that the weight that you right. want them to have? Right. Even financially, mm-hmm. that's a generational curse. Mm-hmm. This whole struggle until you figure it out, that shit ain't. It's not cool. <laughs> it's not it. It's not it's not what I want from my kids. Yes, to learn the value of a dollar is important. But to struggle to make ends meet and be okay with that is not realistic. It's been paycheck to paycheck for me for <laughs> as long as I can remember. It's almost like you can't you can't get ahead. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other discussion. It is. Student loans is the biggest discussion right now, it seems like, because we have loans going into repayment come May and everyone's waiting for the decision. Like, is he going to continue the extension or are we going to have to mm, okay, start okay. paying him back again? You know, that's just, that's just, but again, that's a whole other discussion. But paycheck to paycheck is, it's tough. And there's a lot of people that live that way. Yep. You know, and I think... For us, with our parents, they grew up at a time where you have to pick this job whether you like it or not because you have to make ends meet. My mom wanted to be a fashion designer. She wanted to go to school to make her own clothes in New York, like the whole nine. But, you know, she got pregnant with me. She realized that she needed to find a job that was going to have great benefits Mm -hmm. and working for the state. was it you know being a police officer had great benefits retirement all that and that's what she chose to do and she tells me to this day you know she regrets doing it oh you know she hated her job how can you enjoy you know being in corrections working in the jails and being security for these people you know i get it but at the same time like it almost felt like judgment was being passed on me growing up, making choices that I did in choosing jobs that were going to bring me happiness instead of this is just going to get me through, so I'm going to do this. Um, and then you end up working in an office with this, you know, you always have that old lady who's like, I've been here for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And you look at her and it's like, that's never going to be me. Yes, You yes. know, people that are okay with, you know, just... I don't want to say the bare minimum, but they're complacent with. Mm. They're okay with. They're okay with yeah. being complacent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's you true. Know. And for and for you, that's cool. Right. If it's, that's your. <laughs> that's that's cool. You want to sit there and answer the phone all day, and by all means. Right. But. 
I just always I felt growing up that I was destined for so much more. Mm-hmm. But even at 27, I still feel like I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. And um, it's tough. It's tough because I know they won't say it, but I feel like our parents want us to just pick something. <laughs> Just pick something that's going to... stick with it. Just stick with it. <laughs> pick a job that's got good benefits. And and that's it. You know, but that's not who we are. You know. It's not. It's not. And I know that, like, every time I... Because I'm about to make a decision right now about my job. Mm-hmm. And I know every time I do, they're just like, what are you, mm-hmm. you going to do? What's going to happen? But they also know that, like, I thrive as you do in environments where I'm useful when I'm happy when I can be creative I think working at the gym has been one of the best things for me Mm -hmm. um both mentally physically and and financially you know this it's a bunch of different factors that is going into me working there the job that I'm currently at I feel useful I, I see um, the improvements in the clients. I, I genuinely love what I do, but at the end of the day, it's not helping me get ahead in the world. It's not helping me with school. Financially, it's not allowing me to do what I need to do. And so, unfortunately, I have to make a choice of leaving a place where I like to work because they're not paying me what I know I'm worth and staying in a place where I'm happy but it's not doing what I need it to do for me mm-hmm. it's tough because some people make that that sacrifice when they you know pursue their own business it's what makes them happy but financially you're not always going to be secure I'd rather go with that option than work for somebody else for the rest of my life you know what I'm saying so I I do agree that our parents felt as though they had to stay in the jobs that they were given or wherever they settled or whatever was helping ends meet. But <clears throat> I think especially after after the pandemic and our generation of just, we don't work that way, mm-hmm. people started to go for jobs that they actually wanted, passions Quitting they stuff. actually have. Quitting jobs that just did not bring them happiness and I was so here for that journey and I still am you know there's during the pandemic so many people quit jobs that were just making them miserable Mm -hmm. you know they it was that was a year for I think all of us to really sit down and have that time to think about like what do I really want to do with my life because this is not it yep and I just feel that it's interesting that being that we have parents that are as strict as they are, they've given life to two artists, mm. in a sense, you know? And do I sometimes wish that I was born a genius and was more interested in science and math and could be a doctor? Right, right. Maybe. Right. But, you know, that just wasn't it. You know, I knew that I wanted to an artist in some regard when I was a kid I wanted to be an art teacher and then that developed into something more you know I just know that the only way I'm going to be happy is if I'm doing something artistic in some regard for the rest of my life and being an artist is just it's not easy 
it's a struggle. Yeah. It, it really is. It's really hard to try and make a living doing that. Because um, it's almost like you have to convince other people that your art is worth what it is. Yeah. But you know what it's worth. But then you go to like the Albright Knox or the Met Listen. and you see a canvas that's just Artists painted objective. red and they're like, this is revolutionary. This is like the it's greatest subjective. thing that we've ever seen. It is subjective, but it's also frustrating. Understood. It's also frustrating. Understandably so. But I think as long as you are passionate about your work and you stand behind consistent, it, you stand on it, all of that. It brings rewards, maybe not right away, but mm-hmm. I mean, listen, your shit is dope. Come on now, like we let's just let's just talk about it. We don't stop. It don't stop. Because the things that we have come up with, bruh, beautiful. Your mind is ridiculous. Together, stop on blushing. Our minds are ridiculous. Like our our ideas, you can definitely tell when when two creatives get together, um, something amazing happens. And I mean, I've I've seen your logo. Oh, that makes that reminds me the sneakers. We got to do the sneakers. Yes, yeah. that's gonna be. I've dope. been thinking about that, but yeah. Yeah, I just haven't gotten them yet. Yeah, no. Um, that'll be cool on that time. <laughs> but yeah, your your designs are ridiculous, and I just I know. As well as you do, it's it's going to amount to something, one day. It's just, it's hard to see it right now. But it's the fact that you want to keep doing it, even though you're not seeing those results right away, is the exact reason why you need to keep doing it. I mean, right now, you know, I'm gonna be going back into the restaurant industry again, which I think I was I was having dinner with Maria, and she was like, you know, if you weren't with a chef Mm -hmm. would you still actively pursue the restaurant industry as much as you do okay no okay (laughs) i wouldn't um but what i will say is he has introduced me to this world that i do have not only a respect for but also a passion as well just not as great as design and art um but you know the hospitality industry the fine dining working for thomas keller in new york all those things have really opened my eyes to that world and it's more than just when you're a guest going into the restaurant you don't really see it for what it is but to be introduced to that you know i do have a passion for it but i know in my heart that it's not what i really want to be doing um so if i can kind of like blend the two and work in the restaurant industry, but also be able to to do the design that I want to do, whether it's menu design, right, for example, or logo design for the company, or, you know, designing the inside of the space, things like that. I think if I can mesh the two, I would be happy. Um, But I think until I'm really just every day doing design, I don't think I'm ever going to be happy. You can talk to me about an idea that you have, and I get so excited about it that we can literally sit and talk about it for hours and collaborate, you know, because we've done it. Yeah. Like, I get so hyped about those things, and it's like, all right, well, what do you want it to look like? Right, What do you right. want the colors to be? 
you know, what fabric let's talk about color use. theory because yes. that's so important. You know, yes. like things like that just get me. You put me on to vinyl. So excited. Listen. You know, and and understandably so. The product is the out the outcome the process, all of it is fascinating. And I think it's tough for our parents to understand that we want to pursue our dreams because they were never able to yep yep very rarely do you find parents who are like you know my dad or my mom had this dream and they went after it and now you know they're doing this for the rest of their lives and they're they're happy you you very rarely hear about that you know and it's tough you know my mom wants me to pursue it she tells me all the time why don't you pursue design because i told her i'm going to be starting another restaurant job you should just focus on starting your own business that's great and all but i still need to work and make money while i'm trying to develop this you know what i mean so i do appreciate the support and the recognition that the talent is there but at the same time you know but if you did decide to just do that it would still be a lecture of well you have mia you know and you know it's different because i have a kid now yeah but at the same time having a kid and seeing her just the way that she looks at me and like she's just changed my whole mindset to where i don't want to raise her and tell her and i think i brought this up before i don't want to raise her to say you know pursue your dreams and she looks at me and says but mom like you're (laughs) not but you're not doing that yourself how can I tell my daughter go after what you want if I'm not doing that? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, she's kind of pushed me and given me that drive to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's smart. But, yeah, generational curses. <laughs> oh, about the, you said, not that you wanted her to fall on her face, but like the idea about choices. Mm-hmm. I think that that's important, but also what you're doing is letting her know that no matter what decision she makes, you're always mom. You're always, you know, safety net. You're there for her. I think that sometimes is lost in translation with parents. Like, you make your decisions, you fall on your face, now figure it out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yes, that's necessary, but knowing that when I leave home and things don't work out, I can come back home, no questions asked. That's important. That's Absolutely. love. That's yeah. parenting. That I'm an, a full-grown adult. They could very much say, figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. And they'll be justified in it. But I think that's also a layer of a generational curse of having to struggle for no reason. Right, and I think we can both say that we're definitely blessed to have parents who, you know, after the pandemic, I had to move from New York, Mm -hmm. from, you know, Brooklyn, back home. And my mom was like, this will always be your home. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful to have parents who are always just welcoming me back to their home, you know. I know of kids who had to give their parents rent once they reached 18 yep you know what I mean like stuff like that never happened in my house it was always this will always be your home whatever you need you know you never have to buy groceries like we got you until you're on your feet and even then they still don't want you to go yeah but you have to you have to understand you're adult like you gotta move on at some point but 
you know, I'm, I think we can both say we're definitely blessed to to have parents that will always say this will be your home no matter what. Have, yeah. So, you know. And so have that dialogue with them open as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, seeing this quote, I think it was from Denzel Washington, who said, you know, your own family will talk shit about you when you're in the process of breaking all their generational curses, the mm. saint for the week. Mm. It's definitely It's not. <laughs> It's really not. It's definitely not. It's not. I feel like there's always eyes on you when you're trying to go in a different direction than what's always been known within your family. Um, You know, coming from a Hispanic culture, I feel like Hispanic and black cultures are so synonymous with each other. Like, we go through the same thing in terms of discipline, in terms of just how you're raised like it's so close together it's crazy and it's just it's the no bullshit the no bullshit like we will beat you with whatever is closest to us and it is within (laughs) the reach of my arm span it's coming at you (laughs) and i myself will never lay a hand on my child yeah you know what i'm saying you don't think so no you know so i know so okay i know so I just, I could never do that because it's not, <laughs> getting my ass beat as a kid is not a trauma that's, like, carried with me throughout, like, like, if someone, like, reaches a hand to hug me, I'm not flinching, you right, know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> at the same time, like, it's definitely um, affected me as a kid. It's made me realize, like, I definitely should not do that because right. I know what's going to happen. Correct. But I think there's other ways to go about it. Understood. Is it the timeout, Sharon? No, it is not. Okay. But <laughs> it's just not going to be. It's just hand. not. It's not going to be my hand. Okay. Or a chancla. Or, <laughs> or, or a belt. Or right. What else? You know what I mean? Like it's it's never going to be that. switch. Yeah. Hanger. <laughs> bro. Yeah. I only got the switch once. It was it was pretty much a leather belt or my dad's hand. Like, and you just knew. <laughs> You just knew what time it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so financial, generational curse, introvert, the way you talk to me. Let's see. Even just like in terms of like choosing a partner. Yes. Um, like you said, the the way that you are attracted to men who are unavailable, typically unavailable to you, mm-hmm. or just not not present. I think for me, that might be um, maybe some of the some of the trauma that he went through, some of the personality traits, the not having. The still being a, a little boy mentally and emotionally, um, I find those kinds of men. I find, and they find us as well. So that makes it even harder to decipher and discern. But I think one of the one of the biggest realizations I had more recently is that when me and my person mm-hmm. broke up right right before the pandemic hit. 
I was forced to be home Mm -hmm. for longer than I cared to be. But it also showed me how my parents interact with each other and what I could be looking at as a potential future marriage with the person that I was with. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of parallel between him and my dad. And I think it was at that point that I had to decide if that's the life that I wanted for myself or if the, like, this is the test presenting itself. And I had to, number one, pay attention to it and then decide how I wanted to approach it. And it's ongoing and still very difficult. But I understand better now. And I understand that there was a certain point in time in my mom's life where she had this similar decision, a similar mm-hmm. setup. And she had to make a choice. And the one thing she says is, like, I would never regret, like, making the choices that I made because it gave me the children that it gave me. And the life that I chose for myself is not, you know, horrible. It's just, it's just what I chose. But for me personally, I'm in a space where it's like, I know what I wanted for so long. Is that still what I want or do I want the possibility of what could be? Mm-hmm. And that's a tough position to be in because you just we're we are naturally scared of the unknown. Of course. And I think that's what makes it twice as hard. But knowing that what I'm up against and that I have an opportunity to break a generational curse is probably what fuels me more than scares me. If that makes sense. Mhm. That's that's a big one now too. Just choosing, choosing the right partner, being able to... Do you think, had the situation that happened, had it not happened, would you have accepted that this man is just like my father, and I'm accepting that, and I'm going to marry into that, I'm going to spend the rest of my life essentially with my father, or do you think you would have recognized it and said... I think it's better if we just I don't think so. I I think that I don't know if it would had would have had to be that scenario in particular because my dad is not um unfaithful. It's it's just the personality traits that are similar. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah. But if that if that same scenario happened um if that scenario didn't happen, I don't know that I would have left. Okay. So I don't know that I would have recognized the parallel between <laughs> them two. I noticed the the similarities in them two, but I don't think I really realized, like, that's what my future could potentially look like. No. No. I don't think that I would but have But you realized that after the fact? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, one, because I wasn't with him. But two, I was forced to pay attention to how my parents interact with each other. And then it wasn't until certain things started being started being relevant that I realized how much of the similarities could have been in my marriage. Had they not been dealt with, of course. Because I really think that, oddly enough, it's still something that me and him could have worked through if I wasn't if there hadn't been so many instances before, if that makes sense. Past situations similar to what inevitably what happened. What happened, yeah. Okay. If if I had 
more time, more energy, and he was where he is now, technically mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. I think that that still is life I would have chose for myself, yes. Um, so maybe that's the point. Maybe it wasn't supposed to happen that way. I don't know. But um, I don't think I would have figured it out on my own. I think it would have had to be an eye-opening experience the way that it was. And he even asked me once, he was just like, if I had, you know, broke up with you or suggested that we break up, would you have left or, like, left it alone? And I was like, no, probably not. I would have tried to figure out what I could fix and, you know, wouldn't have given you an option to walk away. So I think in this instance, for me personally, I think it would have had to be something that was pretty clear, pretty evident and in my face. When he asked you that question, do you feel that he was implying before that situation happened that he maybe wanted to have that discussion before the situation led up Mm-mm, to the... Because it was after. Okay. But good question. No, it was after. After we broke up, he he asked me what... If if he had suggested or, or said, like, mm-hmm. it's time, mm-hmm. you know, would I have left it at that? Short answer, no. I would have tried to figure out what I did wrong. <laughs> like, Well, of course. I mean, that was seven years. Mm-hmm. At that point, that's an investment. It would be different if it was a couple months in, you mm-hmm. know. But I feel once you're five-plus years in, that's a commitment. It is opinion. a commitment. It doesn't sound like a lot we of years, but it is a lot of years. You know, at five years, and even at seven years, the person that you're with, that is, that's them. That's them. That's even what even by the second year, that that is who they're showing you is that's who they are, you know. But yeah, yeah. that's a tough one. It definitely was not an easy decision. It's it's still not, but it's just it what it's what needs to be done. It's a decision that I have to make, a choice that I have to make. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is I don't think that I've made it yet, but I have all of all of the necessary information. This is a tough one. <laughs> this was a tough one. Mm-hmm. This but was it, definitely a good topic, though, mm-hmm. because just about to say the same thing. I think we've been tiptoeing around discussing it, but we also <laughs> knew the can that we would be opening (laughs) right right yes but yeah this was this was good and there's definitely so much more to talk about if this app didn't cut us off at 60 minutes we could definitely keep going but and if i didn't have a bedtime and if you didn't have a curfew yeah Mm. But old age ain't no joke, baby. <laughs> old age, we're in our freaking twenties. Listen, my knees crack when I stand up and sit down. I'm old. But um, yeah, this was a great discussion. So stay tuned for uh, next week's episode. Yep. Alrighty. We'll see y'all then. <laughs>